Welcome to Zichru Daf Simani Member by Abram Golda and today Masechus Baba Kama Daf Tzadi, the eighth parak of Chovel. So the three topics we're going to focus on. Number one, a Brisa discusses one who sells a slave but retains the slave's work for thirty days. Reb Mer says Rishon Yeshno Medin Yom Oyamayim. The first owner is subject to the rule of a day or two, meaning where if one strikes his own slave and the slave dies more than twenty-four hours later, the owner is exempt. because the slave is under his domain. His ownership of the slave's produce renders him the owner because Reb Mer holds Kenyan Paris is like Kenyan Aguf. Reb Yudah says the buyer has the Yom Oyomayim exemption because he is his property. He holds Kenyan Paris is not Kenyan Aguf. So the buyer who owns the physical slave is the owner. Reb Yossi says both have the Yom Oyomayim exemption because he's uncertain if Kenyan Paris is like Kenyan Aguf, but Safak Nefashel and doubts involving capital punishment are ruled leniently. Moyazu says neither has the Yom Uyamim exemption because he requires Kaspulam Yukhulo. Property exclusively is. Pointing to Rabbi Yudah Nasiya once told an assailant who had struck someone's ear, Here I am, and here's Rabbi Yossi Galili, give him a Tyrian mana for Boshas. The Gemara asks, if he meant that he witnessed the incident and could obligate payment on his personal knowledge, is this to say that a witness can become a judge based on what he saw? But Abraissa teaches that if Sanhedrin witnessed a murder, Rabbi Tarfin says some of the judges testify before the others, and the others can judge based on the received testimony. Rikiva said that since all of them were potential aiding, none of them can judge the case. But even Rabbi Tarfon does not allow them to judge the case based on their own knowledge. The more answers could go in Shirobalel, the cases where they saw the murder at night, the when they were unable to judge the case, which must be judged by day. Therefore, they cannot judge based on their knowledge. If they witnessed the incident by day, like Rabbi Yudinesia, they could even judge based on their knowledge. Alternatively, Rabbi Yudinesia was merely referring to his opinion regarding the payment amount. And point number three, Abraisa quotes the Pasuk, and one strikes his fellow with a stone or a fist. Shimna Timini says the juxtaposition teaches just as a fist is distinctive in that it's available to both the court and witnesses to be examined, so too any attack can only be judged if the weapon can be examined by the court to determine if it was fit to inflict such harm, and if it was not, the harm is attributed to the victim's personal weakness. This excludes where the weapon was lost by the adim and cannot be examined by the court. The keeper responded that even if the weapon was brought before the court, did they witness the attack to know how many times he struck his victim or on what part of his body? Furthermore, if someone pushes fell off a roof, must Basin travel to the site to examine the tower or must the tower travel to Basin? And if the tower collapsed, would it have to be rebuilt to be examined? Rather, the Torah requires only that the weapon was examined by the witnesses. So once again, the three points are, number one, Abraissa discusses one who sells a slave but retains the slave's work for 30 days. Merit says, Rishon The first owner is subject to the rule of a day or two, meaning where if one strikes his own slave and the slave dies more than 24 hours later, the owner is exempt because the slave is under his domain. His ownership of the slave's produce renders him the owner because Rebmer holds Kenyan Paris is like Kenyan Aguf. Rabbi Yudah says the buyer has the Yom Oyomayim exemption because he is his property. He holds Kenyan Paris is not Kenyan Aguf. So the buyer who owns the physical slave is the owner. Rabbi Yossi says both have the Yom Oyomayim exemption because he's uncertain if Kenyan Paris is like Kenyan Aguf, but Safak Nefashel and doubts involving capital punishment are ruled leniently. Rabbi says neither has the Yom Oyomayim exemption because he requires Kaspel Yuchadlo. Property exclusively is.
Point which Rabbi Yudah Nasiya once told an assailant who had struck someone's ear, Here I am, and here's Rabbi Yossi Aglili, give him a Tyrian mana for Boshas. The rest, if he meant that he witnessed the incident and could obligate payment on his personal knowledge, is this to say that a witness can become a judge based on what he saw? But Abraissa teaches that if Sanhedrin witnessed a murder, Rabbi Tarfin says some of the judges testify before the others, and the others can judge based on the received testimony. Rabbi Kiva said that since all of them were potential aiding, none of them can judge the case. But even Rabbi Tarfin does not allow them to judge the case based on their own knowledge. The more answers could go in Shirobala, the cases where they saw the murder at night. When they were unable to judge the case, which must be judged by day, therefore they cannot judge based on their knowledge. If they witnessed the incident by day, like Rabbi Yudinasiya, they could even judge based on their knowledge. Alternatively, Rabbi Yudinasiya was merely referring to his opinion regarding the payment amount. And point number three, Abraisa quotes the Pasuk, and one strikes his fellow with a stone or a fist. Shimna Timni says the juxtaposition teaches just as a fist is distinctive in that it's available to both the court and witnesses to be examined, so too any attack can only be judged if the weapon can be examined by the court to determine if it was fit to inflict such harm, and if it was not, the harm is attributed to the victim's personal weakness. This excludes where the weapon was lost by the aidim and cannot be examined by the court. The keeper responded that even if the weapon was brought before the court, did they witness the attack to know how many times he struck his victim or on what part of his body? Furthermore, if someone pushes fell off a roof, must Baston travel to the site to examine the tower or must the tower travel to Baston? And if the tower collapsed, would it have to be rebuilt to be examined? Rather, the Torah requires only that the weapon was examined by the witnesses. All right, so now we got our Simradaf Tzadi, and this one was suggested to us by David Levine from Thornhill, Ontario, as well as Nathaniel Yankelov from Clifton, New Jersey. They both suggested that Tzadi is a Tzedakah box. So here goes. The master who sold his slave but retained his work for 30 days, who was so happy he was still subject to the rule of Yom o Yomaim when he killed the slave that he put money in the based-in Tzedakah box, was shocked when he noticed some judges who witnessed a murder act as witnesses, as the judges judging examined the murder weapon, once again slow motion. The master who sold his slave but retained his work for 30 days, who was so happy he was still subject to the rule of Yoma Uyomaim when he killed the slave that he put money in the based in Tzedakah box, Tzedakah box, that must be more of Tzadi. The master who sold his slave but retained his work for 30 days, who was so happy he was still subject to the rule of Yoma Uyomaim when he killed the slave that he put money in the based in Tzedakah box, which reminds us that more brings a four-way malchokas regarding who gets the din of Yom Uyomaim when someone sells a slave but retains his work for 30 days. The issue is dependent on what one holds, whether Kinyan Haperos could Kinyan Haguftamin. So the master who sold the slave but retained his work for 30 days, who's so happy he was still subject to the rule of Yom Uyomaim when he killed the slave that he put money in the based in Tzedakah box, was shocked when he noticed some judges who witnessed a murder act as witnesses, which reminds us that Bryson teaches that if Sanhedrin witnessed a murder, Ritarfin says some of the judges testified before the others, and the others can judge based on the received testimony. Rikiva said that since all of them were potential witnesses, none of them can judge the case. So the master who sold his slave but retained his work for 30 days, who so happy was still subject to the rule of Yom o Yomaim, when he killed the slave that he put money in the based in Tzedakah box was shocked when he knows some judges who witnessed a murder act as witnesses, as the judges judging examined the murder weapon, which reminds us that more discusses if a weapon must be examined by the judges or just the witnesses. So once again, the master who sold his slave but retained his work for 30 days, who so happy he was still subject to the rule of Yomu Yomai when he killed the slave, that he put money in the base thin 
Sadaka Box was shocked when he noticed some judges who witnessed a murder act as witnesses as the judges judging examined the murder weapon. All right, so now we go to our four blah blah chazar. Daf Vav. So the similar Daf Vav is police. So here goes. The policeman, policeman. That must be on Daf Vav. Police. The policeman who got assaulted who received payment for unemployment, but not for damages since his broken arm was going to heal. Which reminds us, the Gemara discusses paying damages for a temporary loss in value. The Gemara concludes that this question is a subject of Malchok is begun to buy in Arava. Abai says, no son Shevas Gadoa Shevas Gatan. He gives him payment for his major unemployment, meaning his temporary loss of value caused by his current inability to work, and for his minor unemployment, meaning his current loss of income as a Shomer Kashuim. Rabbi says, He only gives him the value of his daily loss of employment based on what he normally earns, but does not pay for the temporary damages. So the policeman who got assaulted, who received payment for unemployment, but not for damages, since his broken arm was going to heal, was grateful he received a Boshes payment assessed as an aristocrat who lost wealth, since he was a descendant of the Abbas, which reminds us the Mishnah and Daph Pegamah base taught about Boshes payments. It's all assessed according to the status of the humiliator and the humiliated. This is a Malchokas and a Bryce where Ramirez says that all victims are viewed as aristocrats who lost their wealth. Because they're the descendants of Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov. A poor person is not assessed according to his poverty, which would be too lenient, nor is a wealthy person assessed according to his wealth, for the claim would be endless. Rather, we use the above-middle assessment which befits descendants of the Avos. Additional opinions are brought. So the policeman who got assaulted who received payment for unemployment but not for damages since his broken arm was going to heal, was grateful he received the Boshes payment assessed as an aristocrat who lost his wealth since he was a descendant of the Avos. Unlike the poor guy he found a while back who was humiliated when he was asleep and then passed away, who received... Nothing at all, which reminds us. The next mission states that one who humiliates a sleeping person is liable. Rabbi Abba Barmama asks, If he humiliated him while he was sleeping, and he died in his sleep, and never realized he was humiliated, what's the halacha? Rabbi Zid explains the question is, is Bosha's payment for feeling embarrassment, and this one died without having any embarrassment, so the assailant would be exempt, or perhaps it's because of the public degradation to which he subjected his victim, and here too he degraded him, although he never knew. Rabbi Papa explains the inquiry differently. Daf Pei Zayin, so the similar Daf Pei Zayin is a golden Pez candy dispenser, so here goes. The blind man who was put for mitzvahs who knocked over the golden Pez candy dispenser display, golden Pez candy dispenser, that must be on Daf Pei Zayin. The blind man who was put there from mitzvahs who knocked over the golden Pez candy dispenser display, which reminds us, Rebuta exempts a blind person from Boshas, Gallus, Malchus, and capital punishment, as well as all monetary laws. Another Brisa adds, And so Rebuta would exempt him from all mitzvahs in the Torah. This is because the Torah writes, Together, teaching Anyone who is included in monetary laws is included in the commandments and statutes, but anyone excluded from monetary laws is not included in the mitzvahs. So the blind man who was putter from mitzvahs, who knocked over the golden Pez candy dispenser display, didn't see the girl who had come into the store to buy Pez candy with the money she received from getting injured, which reminds us, Rabbi Lazar asked Rav, If one wounds the minor daughter of others, to whom is the injured payment given? Do we say that since the Torah awarded all the gains of her Na'aris to the father, he also receives the injury payment, since her value as a potential Amaivriya was diminished, or do we say that he only receives gains such as her Kedushin money, because he can marry her off to whomever he chooses, but not injury money, since he's prohibited from injuring her? Rav responded that the father does not receive her damaged payments. 
So the blind man who was putted from mitzvahs, who knocked over the Gom Pez candy dispenser display, didn't see the girl come into the store to buy Pez candy with the money she received from getting injured, nor the boy outside looking through the window whose money was put in a trust when his father injured him, which reminds us, it was taught in a bright miyad. if one injures his adult son, he shall give him payment immediately. If he injures his minor son, he makes a trust for him. Daf Peches. So the Simmer Daf Peches is a pach, a garbage can, or a dustbin. So here goes. When the Evakanani took the garbage can, garbage can, that must be on Daf Peches. Pach. When the Evakanani took the garbage can outside from the basin, where he was not allowed to give aid, which reminds us, the Gemara brings a source that an Evakanani is disqualified as an aid. So when the Evakanani took the garbage can outside from the basin, where he was not allowed to give aidas, he saw a man approach who threw his claim to his deceased mother's nickname, Elu property, into the garbage can, since her husband took it based on Dekan Asusha, which reminds us, Rav Shmuel bar Abba of Hagronia's mother, after marrying Rabbi Abba, wrote over her property to her son Rav Shmuel. After she died, Rabbi Yirmi Yirba Abba established Rav Shmuel as a property's owner. Rabbi Yehuda ruled otherwise, quoting Shmuel, that if a woman sold her nixim alug during her husband's lifetime and then died, the husband collects the property from the purchasers. Thus, Rabbi Abba can take the property from Shmuel bar Abba. Shmuel's ruling was based on Takanas Usha, the enactment of Usha, where they decreed to strengthen the husband's right to her property, allowing him to collect it from her purchasers after she dies, as Shmuel said. So, when the Evakanani took the garbage can outside from the basin, where he was not allowed to give aidas, he saw a man approach who threw his claim to his deceased mother's nickname, Alu property, into the garbage can, since her husband took it, based on Takanas Usha. As another person was selling land, his father wrote over to him, while his father retained rights in the produce. Until his death, which reminds the Mormons of Machlokas of a Kenyan parents can continue a goof regarding preventing a sale, such as the case of one who writes over his properties to his son to acquire after his death, whereby the son owns the physical land now, but the father retains the right to its produce until he dies, and then the son sells the land. Daf Peites, so the similar Daf Peites is a chalant pot. So here goes. The woman showing off her new chalant pot, chalant pot, that must be on Daf. Peites. The woman showing off her new chalampot she purchased with the tova sana she received when she sold her ksuba, which reminds us, the more discusses a married woman who sells her ksuba, which the buyer would collect if she becomes divorced or widowed, but not if she dies first. The buyer says, tova sana the discounted amount paid by the buyer belongs to the wife. So the woman showing off her new chalampot she purchased with the tova sana she received when she sold her ksuba to her friend who was not permitted to sell her ksuba to pay for damages she inflicted which reminds us on Duff, pay Zion off. The Mishnah taught that married women do not pay for damages they inflict since they do not have money. The Gemara asks that she should sell her nixim alug to pay the victim and is forced to say the cases where she has none. The Gemara asks that she should sell her ksuba for its risk value. And the Gemara explains that even if she would sell the ksuba, she could later forgive the ksuba, which Shmuel taught is effective, which she would certainly do for her husband and we do not want to actively cause the buyer a loss. So the woman showing off her new chalampot she purchased with the tova sana she received when she sold her ksuba to her friend who was not permitted to sell her ksuba to pay for damages she inflicted, served some chalampot to her nixamaluk slave who wasn't freed when her husband knocked out his tooth, which reminds us, two prices discuss slaves in Maluk property owned by the wife and the husband enjoys their produce. One states, Yosem Isha. They go free with the loss of a tooth or an eye inflicted by the wife who's considered the owner of Valola Ish, but not if it was afflicted by the husband who is not considered an owner. The other price teaches that neither is considered an exclusive owner. Four explanations are offered. All right, so now it's time to conclude our pop quiz of 10 questions. Number one, which stuff do we discuss? The status of a Nixi Maluk slave, whether he goes free if his tooth or eye were knocked out by the wife or the husband, that's on Duff. 
pay task. Good number two, which step to discuss a case where the Sanhedrin witnesses murder and the question whether the judges can act as aiding. That's on Duff. Sadi. Good number three, which step to discuss whether one pays boshas for humiliating a sleeping person who then dies and was never aware of the humiliation. That's on Duff. Pavav. Good number four. Which stuff do Malchus whether a murder weapon must be examined by the judges or just the aiding? That's on Duff. Tzadi. Good number five. Which stuff do you learn why a woman does not sell her ksuba to pay damages? That's on Duff. Pay task. Good number six. Which stuff do you review to hold that a blind person is putter from all mitzvot? That's on Duff. Hazine. Good number seven. Which stuff to discuss how to assess Shevis unemployment? And if someone loses his hand, he's paid as if he were a Shomer Kashuim, a cucumber watcher. That's on Duff. Pehe. Good number eight. Which stuff to learn that in Bavel they only judge cases that are milsed the Shrikhov Ispe Chesron Kis? That's on Duff. Paydog. Good number nine. Which stuff do we have a four way machokas regarding who gets the din of Yom O Yomayim when a master sells a slave but retains his work for 30 days? That's on Duff. Sadi. Good at number 10. Which stuff do we learn the source that an Evakanani does not give Adis? That's on Duff. Pechas. Excellent. That concludes today's year. This is Rabbi Ramgoldar from Zichu wishing you a great day and great learning.